Now, The Sipping Point with Lori Forster, the wine coach, certified sommelier, corporate entertainer, and wife to a world-class chef, Lori is literally pouring the fun back into wine. Meet some of the most interesting people in the world of food, wine, and spirits as she uncorks the recipe for a delicious life. All right, this is Lori Forrester, the wine coach with The Sipping Point, where we explore the recipe for a delicious life. And I'm so excited this week because I have Donnie Ballou, who wrote Paris Cocktails and also has the Girl's Guide to Paris here. Donnie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Lori. I'm just thrilled to uh, having have this discussion sort of transcontinentally. It's just wonderful. Exactly. And did I pronounce everything correctly? Well, nobody ever pronounces my last name right. Okay, so get me right. Yeah, it's below, and we always say, look out below. Oh, Donnie <laughs> below. Yeah, below. <laughs> but of course, if you're in France, you'd say bello. So that, forget that. That's impossible. Okay. Below, Donnie below. below. And we're going to get to your book, Paris Cocktails. But the whole idea here is that you and I are having a virtual happy hour. So we both have cocktails from your book. So why don't you tell me what you're going to be sipping during the interview? Um, I'm very excited. Uh, I think that sort of virtual cocktail hour needs to go on more and more on, on the web. And it just makes computer time just so much more fun, for sure. <laughs> But today, I am, or this evening, uh, it's really just coming on cocktail time here, about 5.20. Um, so I'm having um, a soiree, le soiree. Ooh. It's in the book, and it's actually one of the cocktails that we um, created for the book. Um, most of the cocktails in the book are, uh, were given to me by you know, really the best mixologists in Paris. Um, but we also decided to take some classics and... Um, Frenchify them. So this um, this cocktail has French gin, which is Citadel gin, um, a superb gin, not too junipery, which I don't particularly mm-hmm. like myself. And it has Pamplemousse Rose, which is a uh, liqueur made in France out of grapefruits. And the smell is mm-hmm. unbelievably wonderful, as well as the taste. It's also great with champagne. Um, I actually have a recipe in the book, uh, just putting this a little bit of this with some rosé, sort of for a nice little brunch. Um, So I've got it all um, mixed up. And should I go ahead? Yeah, go for it. Let's hear it. Shake it like you mean it. Yes, exactly. So this is an ounce of, (laughs) yes. Exactly. An ounce of pompanous rose with two ounces of the gin and um, and then half of the squeeze basically half of a lemon. So otherwise the pomplamoose rose can be a little sweet. We chilled our glasses. Ideally you have a, a coupe glass, you know, those sort of old fashioned martini glasses. Right. I'm actually pouring two because I am here with my friend Gretchen who. Hi Gretchen. Yeah, Gretchen's <laughs> here. She's, she's my support off camera. And uh, she, um, she is actually someone I went to boarding school with. So that was just, a, you know, just like three or four. And a um, little twist of little twist of lemon. And it, it, it's actually a pretty strong little drink. Yes. I'm going to go ahead and taste it. Sure. And while you're doing that, I'll tell everybody what I have. It's called a French 75 squared. Oh, my gosh. This is gorgeous. Look at is it. I didn't put my champagne in yet, but it has uh, gin, 
the St. Germain, which is the elderflower liqueur, and a half an ounce of lemon. I just made one serving. And then you pour your sparkling wine or your champagne uh, right on top of that. Couple of cherries and a little, you called it a lemon horseback, I think. Horse tail. That's a horse tail horseback. <laughs> and it's a very sexy little twist because it's supposed to hang down like that. Yeah, it's I love it. So, so cheers to you and everybody out there uh, listening in, watching right now. Uh, I'm going to take a little sip. I always like the French 75, so this is a new take on it. It's just got the champagne. It's, mm. the, it's actually always has the champagne. It's the elderflower liqueur that adds the twist. Yes, it's so beautiful. This is from page 95 in your book and really easy to make. I'm not a mixologist, uh, but certainly I love that there's wine in here. Uh, yes. That made, I've made it so much more fun. Okay, yes. so let's get to the beginning. How did you develop this love for Paris and your passion. I mean, I, my whole business and passion is wine and food, and that's what I do. And you've built your whole business around your passion, which is all things Paris. How, exactly. did, you, how did you come about? Um, you have the Girl's Guide to Paris. You have a membership. You have walking tours. You have the Paris cocktail book we're going to talk about in a little bit. Where did this begin? Good question. Um, actually, um, I... There was something always there um, inside me, uh, a love of France in general. But um, it was really the second time that I went, which was in the late 80s. I want to say 88. And my husband and I were just married. And um, my sister has had a house in France for that long, believe it or not, down in the Aveyron. We visited her, and then we went up to Paris. And we were staying in this little Hotel Université, which is still there on the Rue de l'Université in the 6th. And... I remember grabbing a hold of the um, the bed and saying, please don't make me leave. You know, I, I this is the perfect town. Why would you ever leave this place? So, you know, it was from the early 20s that I really felt this was my place. I don't know what it was about uh, Paris, but I just was afflicted or addicted <laughs> immediately. And, you know, I've done a lot of things since then. I was in the film business and I did not-for-profit and political work. And finally, I said, you know what? I'm just going to do what I love the most. Um, and it's just, it's going to center around Paris. And this will force me to have to go there more often. No. And I bought a house, um, a, rather an apartment in the year 2000 um, in Paris, sort of on a, it's almost like on a dare. It was a crazy thing to do. People said, you know, why are you buying a place in Paris? That's crazy. How can you possibly get over there? And and I would, my response was always, have you been there? You, know, <laughs> yeah, but you wouldn't even ask me that if you've been to Paris. If you can figure right. out a way to, to pinch your pennies or rub them together and create more and buy something in Paris, you, you should. And that's my philosophy. But anyway, I've just, um, I've just been in love with Paris since forever. Wow. And so your book, your newest book here is all about cocktails, but is it the culinary scene or is it the architecture and the culinary and the people and the fashion? Is it the whole sides of Paris? You know, I think it's a, it's a great question. It's, I used to have a, a radio show as well. And I always ask everybody that question and everybody comes up with something different, a little bit different. But it, it's, it's something, I mean, God, I hate to use the cliche, je ne sais quoi, but it, there is something about Paris, in particularly that women 
love. I mean, mm. are, they dream of Paris. And I guess that's also me. You know, it's just, and it, there's something magical about Paris. And I think there's a sense, and this is true of, of going away anywhere, there's a sense of freedom that you have when you're out of your own city, you're out of your own country. But it is a incredibly beautiful place. I, I would argue it's the most beautiful city in the world. Wow. And it's also, you know, completely preserved. It wasn't bombed to smithereens like Berlin and even London, you know, and it's, it's intact. It, it, all the buildings, except for the, the, the terrible Montparnasse Tower, almost all of them within the Peripherique are old. So you're in this living museum, but yet it's very vibrant. There's all these exciting, you know, new things going on even um, right now in 2016. So, um, you know, I, I think it's sort of the best of both worlds. It's history, it's beauty, and there's a femininity to the town um, that we don't have in New York or London. There's a a very distinct feminine quality to it because beauty and sort of a little bit slower pace of life is sort of at the epicenter the art de vivre, as they say, um, mm -hmm. is at the epicenter of how the French live and, and the way of living is so much more important to them than, than to us. I mean, obviously we all want to live, you know, happily, um, but we are a little bit more focused on, you know, working and making money than they are. Good idea. Mm. I have a sip too. <laughs> I know. Well, I, I have not. You're probably going to cringe when I when I say this, but I have not been to Paris. I've, oh no! I know. I've flown through Paris to Bordeaux, Loire, Languedoc, but I have not had a chance to explore Paris. So that's on my bucket list. So oh you're you're going to be my source of information when I get absolutely. There. I know from my travels in other places in France and in Italy, mm -hmm. everything's beautiful and well-made, I feel like. Uh, and when people go shopping over there, I think it's surprising to them because there's not a lot of Walmarts and very cheap stuff, but there's very good, well-made items that you could have for a long period of time. Uh, and that's what I've always loved about Europe. It's not... It's a philosophy, too. I mean, I actually, the next, I believe I'm going to be writing another book. I just got an offer from a, another publisher. Um, don't want to jinx it by, you know, um, saying exactly, but it's going to be also about Paris. Yay, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Um, and, but it's, it's sort of one of the, the themes or the conversations in the, this book is going to be talking about um, how, you know, shopping. So if you shop as a Parisian, you will go out, maybe to three or four places in one day, two days, or a week just for one sweater. So that's mm -hmm. not our, our philosophy. Like, it, it's, it's not at all ingrained in me. I'm, right. I'm, I'm a big box, you know, grab a whole bunch of stuff at a discounted price kind of personality with I'm trying to wean my way out of that. Right. Um, so you have less, but you have more, you know, 10 people things rather than 20 ugly things that are, or discount things that are going to fall apart. Right. So it's, it's really a general philosophy. You find actually all over Europe, not just France. I love that. So uh, we'll get into the book in a second, but if people go to Girl's Guide to Paris, what can they expect? What's there? Because it's a whole community, really. Oh, thank you. Um, well, it is, a, you know, a labor of love, labor of passion. I started in 2009, and it's meant to be, and it is, an online guide to Paris. Uh, we also cover uh, a lot of other areas of France, um, but Paris is the starting point, other than you, because you're a, you know, a venophile and have had to go to 
France for other reasons. Most people start with Paris, and then they might go somewhere else. Um, so we have about 5,000 pages on Paris. Uh, we, you know, so it's much larger than any guidebook you could ever ever lug along. We really have to have a wagon to, to get this much information uh, um, in depth. Um, and that's the great thing about our age now. We can find it all online. So, you know, it's restaurants, it's shopping, it's spas, mm-hmm. it's hotels. And it's always something a little bit different, a little different way to see Paris. Some, sort of the secrets of Paris. The You know, we don't talk about the Eiffel Tower other than the best way to see the Eiffel Tower is to do the skip the line tour so you don't have to wait in line. Um, right. We don't talk about as, as much the obvious things, but a little bit more in depth about um, the little bit more hidden things. So that's really the, you know, the, kind of the starting point where we're at. Um, and then we, uh, we started doing um, these, these little downloadable DIY um, uh, walking tours. So I, I think it's nice. I don't really like to, too much beyond a guided tour um and i I do there you know sometimes it's great but a lot of times it's just fun to discover on your own so for like two dollars we have these um these print out um pdf really simple things and people love them um to about 18 of those and and there's a lot of things um available on the site not just information about paris but there's a go card um which gives you discounts at about 250 different places not only in paris but um, online and um, around France, so hotels all over France, um, and uh, you know a whole bunch of other things: restaurants, shops, online magazines, you know, spas, cars to pick you up at the airport, everything you'd need basically. Um, and um, and you know now we're selling the book on the site. Obviously, right. you can get Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Anthropology, all kinds of places. But if you buy it from me, you also get. Um, uh, an Eat in Paris ebook that I wrote uh, last year, which is great. Uh, I know you love gastronomy, so it's uh, it's actually something you get free when you buy it from us, as opposed to the nice. big corporate entities. Um, and um, and it's great. It's like not only you know great restaurants um, in Paris, but it's food trucks and vegan places and all kinds of interesting things that are going on right now. Great. Well, you can see the book. Wait. <laughs> It's on the other side here in the back, but maybe you can close up, show a shot. Yeah, it's such a beautiful book. Um, hardcover, of course. Yes. So, so let's get to the book. I'm sipping your one of your cocktails now, but tell me the inspiration for the book and how you organized it because it's so beautiful. It's a great gift for anyone who loves cocktails or Paris or France. Tell me about what you wanted to achieve with the book. Well, it was interesting because it was um, back in um, November of 2014, um, and I got this email out of the blue from a small publisher called Cider Mill Press um, up in Maine, and they're, they're, they specialize in gift books. So it was really designed as a gift book rather than a particular um, – it is a guidebook, but it's really designed more as a gift book. Um, and these folks said, would you like to write a book called Paris Cocktails? Nice. And I thought, hmm, well – Yes. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not a bartender. I am not a, a, a wine, or sort of not known like you are as a, as a, a specialist in, in cocktails, wine, um, etc. Um, I love a good martini, but mm-hmm. I, I definitely am a Paris expert. So I thought, um, hmm, how am I going to do this? And, um, and I thought, you know, look, this lady wants to pay me to drink in Paris. I, how can I say no, you know? Love it. And so that, that was the inspiration for it. Uh, the idea of spending uh, three months and drinking my way through Paris without uh, 
without stumbling and falling uh, falling down. Um, so um, it was uh, 55 bars that I went to in six weeks. Wow. Impressive. In January, right? Yeah. January, February, and March of last year, I was in Paris the whole time. We actually have an apartment on the Ile Saint-Louis. Um, and um, and I've, I actually went to 55 bars and the story I told um, now a lot of different people is um, the first night I drank all three cocktails that they gave me oh, in total. No, I know where this right. is going. Then, <laughs> yes, we do. And um, I, I, you know, the next morning I woke up and I said, this is not going to work. You know, I'm going to end up at the American hospital uh, in Paris by the end of the week. I mean, this is, this is just downright dangerous. And I, how am I going to do this? I'm, sort of racking my brain you can't go like like you do when you go wine tasting you can spit you can't right. spit a cocktail at a bar you can't yes. do that i mean where are you gonna it doesn't work it looks weird um and um so i thought all right let's do it two sip maximum so i would go to two to three bars a night we had it all set up with uh, this great research assistant who set me up in all the places that i wanted to go i'd interview the bartender um, he would, he or she, wonderfully. There's a lot of women bartenders in Paris that are excellent. And really? Three, yeah, awesome. Really fantastic. Some of the best are women. Wow. Uh, so I would try three different drinks, usually something that they thought was their most unusual, that was the most interesting thing they were doing, and uh, the most popular, and then one other. And two sips, go on to the next place for each. Uh, and then by the end of the night, you know, you'd had a drink and a half, so you'd be fine. Um, and I actually, you know, I think I probably sipped about 150 drinks. Wow. I love yeah. that. And it, it, uh, what is the exact number of cocktails in the book? So it's, um, there are about 100 uh, cocktail recipes, actually a little more, about 110, um, which uh, came from all these bartenders and, and mixologists that I interviewed there's definitely a big focus on craft cocktails, which of course is the big thing going on in Paris and in LA and New York and San Francisco and London. You know, that's the, that's the wave of what we're, what we're experiencing this sort of new cocktail era. Um, but there's also some um, classics and this really um, is a very simple um, version of, of, you know, actually it's just using two fantastic French ingredients in yours that you've, that you've uh, enjoyed today is also a classic started in, um, I think that was invented in 1917 in New York. Mm. But we added the elderflower, um, right. which is Saint-Germain. It was the most popular um, elderflower liqueur, and it's, you know, it's an incredible French liqueur. It is. Um, there's a, there is a myriad of amazing French products that I didn't know existed. French whiskey, French gin, French vodka, and all the liqueurs that have been become so famous over the years. So, you know, you're working with the best of the best. Reading in your book that the cocktails have been around in, in Paris since the 1800s. I like know. That, that was sort of the, I think you said the golden age was during our prohibition time, was sort of a big a time for them in development of the cocktail, and probably here too, because it was a way to hide the liquor. Underground. Uh, Right. <laughs> and that's how this new kind of craft um, cocktail revolution started back in New York and in um, um, London, sort of in maybe I want to say eight, nine years ago. Uh, this return to the classic cocktails 
started by a few of these speakeasy places um, opening. There's one called Death and Company in New York, um, and they open down in California as well. Um, and they've got a great cocktail book out there. Um, and then um, the, these three French guys saw that and what was going on in New York, and they started a place called Experimental Cocktail Club. Also speakeasy style um, and very much of a hipster thing with, you know, the, uh, the guys with the mustaches and so forth or the beards, you know, right. Um, But then they took and started doing classic cocktails. um, But then they were making sort of their own take and spin on these classic cocktails. So um, beefing them up, changing them, and then it started to experiment. And that's where the whole craft cocktail craze started. Right. Um, They were really just, uh, two years after New York and London started it. And it's, um, you know, I mean, we can talk a little bit about craft cocktails if you like, because it's not something yeah. everybody really knows about. I mean, it's, it's so um, exciting uh, for sure. But so in if people get the book, how did you organize the cocktails? Because there's different sections and there's so many different types of cocktails. How did you kind of lay it out? Yes, that's actually a great question. Um, and this was where being a first time, I've written an ebook and obviously written tons and tons and tons of blog posts and, and articles and magazine stuff, but never done a book. Um, and that's where the, uh, um, the publisher came in. Um, she wanted to have it be something you can read through and enjoy rather than have it just be a guidebook, mm-hmm. um, which I think makes a lot of sense. And that makes it more... Um, interesting as a gift as well. So it talks, you know, about what craft cocktails are. It talks about the history. And then, you know, each, um, instead of, you know, kind of arranging it by the liquor, which is a lot of times what you see in a lot of these books, we arranged it by sort of sensibility, if you will. So there's there's a section on, you know, DIY, sort of like um, do-it-yourself drinks. There's jazz era cocktails, you know. And mm. in each area, there's uh, wine, sort of uh, we covered wine bars. Um, and we have wine and champagne cocktails. Um, you know, there's a, there's a, a whole section on holiday. Um, uh, and this is a section called En Plein Air. So that's, you know, places in Paris. So it's not just the recipes. We also have 100 bars in here. Um. that are 75 in Paris and 35 around the world that we call Francophile bars. So if you're missing Paris, you're missing France, and you're in New York or London or Minneapolis or Miami, we've got some place for you to go. Um, But, you know, um, so, you know, I think it was uh, arranged in a little bit more interesting way than just by vodka and gin, and that's sort of expected. So we wanted little bit more fun, more like a story. Um, and we also included, um, uh, and this was, this is a fun thing, uh, sort of interesting French, uh, themed cocktail parties that you can have. So one is like a midnight in Paris party where you ask people to come dressed up as a character from the film. Um, I've got, um, a DIY, um, you know, make your own drink cocktail party. So you can really try and create, you know, we've got a sparkling um, joyeuse fête kind of party, so really appropriate for a birthday or, um, you know, New Year's Eve. So a lot of fun ideas. Uh, we wanted to really make it about um, not just about, like, here's some cool cocktails from Paris, but also to empower people because this right. movement of these new cocktails and craft cocktails in general are about 
sourcing ingredients and trying uh, to mix some different things that you've never thought of before using herbs in cocktails, using, you know, heat, like something spicy. There's a, a wonderful spicy um, margarita in there. Um, mm. and, and that's the idea I want to impart is that, you know, this is not rocket science. You know, it's just like cooking. You try, uh, make a few cocktails that are a little bit more interesting than your vodka tonic, and then you get the feel of it. You want to, you know, you, you need the strength of the alcohol. You need the sweet, the savory, um, you know, the, the balance with the acid. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's like wine pairing. Um, it's just, it's a fun thing to do. You know, it's, yes. it's, you need to be intimidated by it. And people were very open to sharing their recipes with you? They were. I was a little concerned about that, but um, it was really everybody said, yes, the only recipe, and this is a sad one, that I didn't get um, was I had a chocolate martini Ooh. at um, one of the, you know, the, actually the, the, the Royal Monceau Hotel, and it's there. they have a special uh, chocolate from Pierre Hermes. If, if, if those who know Paris know He's uh, probably the most famous in Paris uh, after La Dure for his macaron and mm-hmm. for, his, um, for his pastries and chocolates. And it's his chocolate in there. And it's, it's basically chocolate, um, his own chocolate liqueur that he's created for the hotel and whiskey. And it's instead of having um, a dessert, you can go there and have this, 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 this after-dinner drink. And it's, you know, it's off the charts. I've never even considered a, having a chocolate martini. It seems silly. Until wow. I tried this, and it was, you know, it's just unbelievable. But they said, no, no, no. They gave me a whole bunch of other recipes, but Pierre Hermes says, no, we will not share. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, I guess I got to leave you wanting a little something. Exactly. exactly. So one day I might get, at it, get that out of it. So along your travels and your two sips of uh, hundreds of co- cocktails, uh, any interesting people you ran into, interesting stories. I mean, I, I always feel like when you go to a, a bar, uh, just, I don't know, New York, Paris, wherever, it's just so easy to usually strike up conversations and you just meet people you would never meet otherwise. So tell us your stories from the road. <laughs> oh, yes. The nitty, the gritty. Um, uh, my, it's like a Charles Bukowski thing. I'm thinking of that because I'm in San Francisco. Oh. Uh, but, uh, Thankfully, we never got that sloppy. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I had an incredible time meeting uh, the bartenders, the mixologists, and particularly oftentimes the owners of these bars. So what is really exciting to see happening in Paris is these young people are opening these bars. Um, And there was one couple, Nicolas and Melissa, who opened a bar called Bespoke, really close to the Bataclan. And actually, we had our event there, uh, my first cocktail, um, you know, tasting book event there, uh, Mm. because they were so unbelievably nice. And they were, and it turns out they're from Marseille. So that's why, you know, they're not Parisian. Yeah. <laughs> and I say that uh, it's really true about Parisians, but these, these two are just, and they were 25 when they opened the bar. So people are taking chances on entrepreneurial um, ideas now than much more than ever before. And that's because of some of the political changes that being the previous administration. But so that was exciting to see. 
And so these, these, these young, um, really young people, like really the same age as my son, actually, are opening these amazing places, experimenting. He, uh, Nicola, in this particular um, place, um, makes a drink, which is in the book, called Capri, uh, excuse me, Capri C'est Fini. Um, so uh, Capri, you know, like the, the island, is, is over. I don't know why. That's the title. I actually didn't ask him. But it's a rum drink made with grape uh, cherry tomatoes. Now, that is, sounds like the oddest coupling. It right. is unbelievably good. Like you can't, and mm. he puts a little mozzarella and tomato stick on top. You know, it's like Ooh. a complete meal. It's, it's not even bad. <laughs> um, it, it's amazing. And then the other interesting and really fun things to, uh, to have experienced were you know, I don't know if you've ever heard of Harry's New York Bar, which is probably the most famous bar in Paris. Um, I got to go there, and, and we had a long um, conversation with the people from Bastille Whiskey, who um, have a fantastic French whiskey, who, and, and it's actually at the um, Harry's uh, New York Bar, and with, the, um, with the, the general manager, and had a bunch of different drinks. Um, but what's interesting about Harry's Bar is it opened in, I want to say, 1911, uh, before it was in New York. It was actually a bar in New York. He, the, the gentleman who owned it at the time, had, um, had, had sort of sensed or knew that Prohibition was coming. So he kind of jumped the gun a little early, and he went over to Paris. He said, you know, I'm not going to be stuck in, in, in a Prohibition situation. And he opened a bar in Paris, so an American bar. Um, wow. And then another guy named Harry actually bought it a little bit later. But what's interesting about that bar is they invented, and a Frenchman invented the Bloody Mary there. Oh, interesting. That is something a lot of people don't know, is that a Bloody Mary, of all things, is a French drink. And I did see that in the book, and I think it was tomato juice with Worcestershire sauce and, the, and your spirit. And horseradish. No horseradish. There's, there wasn't any Tabasco in the first right. one. Um, of course, now at, at Harry's Bar, they put Tabasco in it. Um, and then they actually had um, a couple of other off-the-chart, crazy good Bloody Marys that were totally um, different than that. So I just loved learning that that, that was a French thing. Um, but I met, um, you know, just the most interesting people. And, you know, men and women, some women from, um, there was a woman from Wisconsin who's one of the best bartenders in Paris. She works at a place called Hadalou. And at the back of the, the book, I actually gave awards um, for, some, for you know, some of the best bartenders um, that I met. And That's it was great. really cool to see how many women are, are there. Um, and I've got a lot of recipes in the book from women. And apparently they've gone through their own experience in the last five years where when this girl I interviewed, Jen Bob Riley, which sounds like someone from Nashville. She's <laughs> yes, does. In France at sort of a down and dirty bar called the Red House, which actually makes superb drinks, but kind of a place where you can, you can stay till one in the morning. You know, it's very dark, it's a super cool place. Love and, it. And um, met actually a, uh, another guy there who owns a um, sort of uh, one of the craft beer bars, um, but um, she said when she first started uh, making cocktails, people didn't even watch at, at a place called Candelaria, which was one of the first places, super cool place, sort of a speakeasy as well. Um, people didn't want to um, 
you know, have a woman make a cocktail for them. They, you know, they were quite chauvinistic about it. And wow. then as they got more familiar, the whole cocktail thing is a little bit new um, for the Parisians because, you know, as you know, they were always just having an aperitif, perhaps a Pierre Royale or Pierre. Um, and they finally realized, hey, these girls know how to make drinks, you know. And now it's not a problem. <laughs> but it took a little while. Wow. Um, so they have caught up quickly and have educated themselves quite quickly, the preachers, and mainly under 40. Okay. I would say it's more of a trend to 40. Um, my friend, I have a friend who's in her 60s, lived in Montmartre for about 30 years, and she's, you know, she's just kind of tiptoeing and trying, you know, every once in a while. But it's, you know, anything this strong would not be to her liking. So right. there's something out there for everyone. I was going to say, I know, uh, you know, as far as wine trends, um, just a year or two ago, we became the largest wine drinking country by volume, not per capita, but by volume uh, consumed. And whereas wine drinking in the U.S. is on the upswing, wine drinking in France is on the downswing because the younger people see beer and cocktails as being more hip and relevant Exactly. Then they see wine as their parents' drink, which right. is kind of uh, interesting because millennials are so into, of course, cocktails and, and craft beers are big, but millennials are s drinking more wine than we ever did uh, at that age yes. in their 20s. Yes. So uh, I guess cocktails is a way to take the wine, but then still make it uh, attractive to the to the younger crowd. Yeah, yeah, and there are in the book. We've got a lot of, um, particularly champagne cocktails. There's so many fantastic cocktails, like the one you're having that makes champagne. I mean, that's a superb cocktail. And um, and what's interesting is the restaurant of the year that was named just recently by uh, in September of last year by um, a, a website and a magazine called Le Fooding. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know it, but it's um, they are sort of the cutting edge, sort of the, the, the hipster Michelin, Michelin guide for, you know, a cutting edge modern French food. And they've actually, um, you know, they, they've expanded quite a bit in the last, I think they're 15 years old now. Um, but they always name a one restaurant, the best restaurant in Paris for that year. And the one that won this year is called Der Sioux. And interestingly, they don't have any wine there. They have cocktail pairing uh, oh, pre wow. So like a five-course dinner with a cocktail pairing for each course. Obviously, they're very small, like, you know, probably just a little bit bigger than this tasting uh, size drinks. But um, I think that's really innovative. That's exciting. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Well, this has been so great. I mean, I wish we had time to, to sample all the cocktails in your I book. know. I know. Two sips only, of course. Absolutely. That's the rule. I've got to stick by that. Exactly. And I love your book. I hold it up again so everybody can see it because it's so beautiful. It is a great gift if you're treating yourself or it's for someone else. I just think uh, if you love Paris and France and uh, a beautiful libation, it's just a book you have to have on your uh, on your bookcase, if you will, or down at your on your bar. Exactly, down your bar. Um, so if folks want to find out more about you and the Girl's Guide, uh, let's give out your web address uh, so they can check you out. Thank you so much, Lori. This has been so much fun. Yeah, they just need to go to Girl's Guide to Paris. 
Facebook.com. They can uh, buy the book there. Um, and when you buy a book from us, um, you get this free uh, Eat in Paris um, ebook. Um, and there's a lot of other things. We're actually renting out apartments now in Paris. So we, we do, we're kind of a one-stop shopping place for anything um, that you're interested in uh, with, with regards to Paris. And a lot of people just hang out there, even if they can't make it to Paris, just to get a little French fix. Right. And I love that you're, you're giving people options in the book to experience Paris here in the United States, because sometimes you can't always jet over there. <laughs> but you know, I mean, let's face it, a lot of us were lucky to get there once in our life, but you can right. bring home, you know, via cocktail or little, little, even having a little cocktail party. So thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Story. Oh, of course. So Donnie Bello, as they might say in France, <laughs> did I do that right? <laughs> yes. Very, very good. From Girl's Guide to Paris. I love your book, Paris Cocktails. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for being on The Sipping Point and um, just raising my glass. I have a little bit left to you and uh, cheers. And we'll say santé in French. Oh, santé. Merci et bonne soirée. This is Lori Forster, the wine coach. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Sipping Point, where we explore the recipe for a delicious life, which, of course, includes Paris cocktails. I want to stay in touch with you, so I hope you'll find me on Twitter or Instagram at The Wine Coach, or just type in The Wine Coach in Facebook and you're going to find me immediately. I'm always looking to connect with great wine lovers like you, and I want your ideas for future shows. You can find me on the web at thewinecoach.com, and I'm here to help you demystify wine one glass at a time. Cheers. Cheers.